Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Wide Array of Sports Takes Podcast. I'm Andrew DeStefano. You can find me at SportsGuru716 on Twitter or at WideArrayOfSportsTakes.wordpress.com. I post daily fantasy football content, um, hockey. I'm doing 31 and 31 days plus more leading up to the season. NASCAR content, when that's going on, I will do baseball content, esports, you know, whatever I want to do. But right now, today we're talking about fantasy football mainly. And then I will finish the episode talking about the Columbus Blue Jackets, as I said, as part of my 31 teams in 31 days. So this will be over 15 minutes because it's a Saturday and Saturdays I have to do the pick your poison segment, which I really enjoy doing, helping you with your flex to help you win or lose weeks in fantasy football this week. So we're going to start first, though, with the rankings. I updated them yesterday. Um, big movement, obviously. We even at quarterback, there was a ripple effect felt. I had Jameis Winston 12th going into the week. And I mean, the Saints obviously don't feel he's the 12th best quarterback this week because they want to play Taysom Hill. So I have Taysom Hill on here 21st in the middle ground with guys like Alex Smith, Phillip Rivers, Mayfield, and Jake Lutton. These are coin flips on whether you should even play them as quarterback twos or not. I have 19 quarterbacks here above them that I would prefer to play over these guys. Um, Teddy Bridgewater might not play. Think about that going into tomorrow. Um, He's a game-time decision. If he doesn't play, Phillip Walker will play, and I will have my rankings up hopefully by noon tomorrow so you can um, address whatever other needs you might have, including guys like Bridgewater, um, Calvin Ridley, you know, he's probably going to play, but in my rankings, I don't represent that yet. Running backs, um, some big movers, obviously Deandre Swift is out. He had a concussion midweek and he's not playing. They needed luck on their side and they're not getting it. So Deandre Swift is not playing and the ripple effect was felt in this case, because I had him sixth going into the week. I thought it was his time to shine. And sadly, it is not going to be this week. You know, whenever he comes back, it will be. Giovanni Bernard, big mover. Joe Mixon ruled out. Bernard, like I said, I believe yesterday, or I might have said it Thursday, I believe that he was going to get um, into the mid-teens, and that is where I have him, 14th. Um, Other big movers. uh, Carlos Hyde, obviously representative of what happened Thursday. I have him 28th now. I think he'll do better than 28th when it's all said and done at the end when we all like when we look back and like what the point output looked like. But you know, because it wasn't like stupendous and it was like above average, I have him 28th, where you know, Edmonds and Drake, despite their performances not being as much as most would have liked, I thought it was a more reliable output when it came to um PPR league, so I have them 24th and 25th. Um, new guys, obviously, Adrian Peterson's on the list now, and as is on Johnson. Without DeAndre Swift, you expect a two running back tandem. Adrian Peterson being the lead back, on Johnson has more of value as the um, pass catcher. DJ Dallas gets added here too because he ended up playing where guys like Alex Collins and Travis Homer did not Thursday. Um, Going into tomorrow, I don't know if there's going to be a lot of running back movement. There might be some, but I don't expect much, to be honest with you. 
Um, so, I mean, if there is something, I'll obviously include it in my post. If there's, you know, maybe someone tests positive for COVID today or tomorrow and then they can't play, you know, who knows? That's very possible. Wide receivers, Calvin Ridley is the big name. I still have him 40th on my list. He's probably going to play, but I have him here for now. Tomorrow, look back. And if he is obviously playing, he will be in the top 10 and the ripple effect will follow. Um, not much movement in terms of big moves. Michael Thomas drops, obviously, with Jameis Winston no longer playing and Taysom Hill playing. Um, doesn't fall very far because obviously he's very skilled, even though last week he didn't put up the kind of numbers that fantasy owners like myself wanted when we drafted him first round. But nevertheless, 13th. Um, there's not really a lot of differences here. Brashard Perriman's in there now where he wasn't before. I mean, there could be some movement at the bottom here, um, but you should not be really in this Brashad Perriman, Emmanuel Sanders, Denzel Mims territory. It's kind of uh, scary. Tight end, not a lot of movement. Um, I mean, the tight end position is always pretty much cut and dry. Most guys are going to be what they are, and we have a couple elite options. Well, not a couple, several. And then you have you know, a mix and match, a mixed bag of options. And that's what I'll get to in my next um, segment, which is the uh, pick your poison segment, which I do every week to help you with your flex. I look at, you know, your options and what the best options might be out there in, you know, benches across fantasy football. And we like to look at expected output as something to put in your flex. So you know what you're getting unless you need a go big or go home option, which also is obviously valid. Um, I didn't feel running back was that, I mean, running back has some good options, but at the same time, those options are probably owned already or not even owned. Probably we're going to start. I think the Patriots, Damian Harris looks really good this week. Houston has the worst run defense in the league. But Harris is also like 20th in the ranking, so he's an RB2 anyways. Most teams probably picked him off of free agency this year. So he might be your running back three normally. Put him in your running back two slot this week. Or, obviously, he's a very high flex option if you feel more comfortable with somebody you drafted other than Damian Harris. Flip side, Rex Burkhead might have more value this week as a lower tier flex option now because Houston is so bad against the run. And obviously, the Patriots are going to run the ball down their throat. That's what they do. Cam Newton can't really throw the ball. Running backs, uh, J.D. McKissick. I think he should probably be started in your RB2 slot this week. I know I'm starting him in my RB2, but kind of the same thing with Harris. You have a guy that you probably picked up off of free agency. You don't want, you know, you don't feel as comfortable about McKissick or Harris as you do about the guy you drafted RB2 at the start of the season. McKissick's obviously a very good flex option this week. Cincinnati struggles against the run, but they're the sixth worst. This is what I'm saying about teams that struggle against the run this week. It's not very good when it comes to um, flex options. It's guys like Jacksonville and um, well, not even Jacksonville, geez, Minnesota, um, whoever Green Bay is playing. I mean, teams like that, that like, they struggle against the run, but it doesn't really matter because you have an elite number one option and there's nothing really below it to play, you know, that you're going to put in your lineup. Like there's just, you just don't, you don't, 
you know, Dallas, you're not going to put Tony Pollard in your flex. Minnesota, you're not putting Alex Madison in your flex. Things like that. You're just not going to do that over guys like Harris, McKissick. And then lastly, Salvin Ahmed, probably added in free agency recently. If you haven't already, Adam this week, he's the lead back in Miami. He did okay with his touches the last two weeks, and he's had a plenty of touches and opportunities. So you've got expected outcomes when it comes to his touches. That's a big deal. Against Denver, Denver doesn't do that well against the run. Miami's looking better. I think that teams are going to try and take away the run and force Tua Tugafailoa to beat them with his arm. But, you know, if Tua can, you know, throw the ball to Ahmed out of the backfield a few times and, you know, because Ahmed's clearly the number one lead back there right now, he's going to get those opportunities. He's going to get those touches and he's going to get you points. Ahmed's probably a very solid option this week and he might still be on waivers. Wide receivers, guys that I feel a little more confident about um, than Burkhead or Ahmed. Well, Burkhead mainly, but Mike Williams against the Jets. Jets are awful against the pass. Um, Mike Williams is the clear number two in LA for the Chargers. Keenan Allen, obviously an elite option. They're going to focus on him. Hunter Henry, they're going to focus on him. That's where Mike Williams comes out, and I think Mike Williams has a good week this week. Marquise Brown, clearly the number one in Baltimore, but Baltimore struggles offensively, but Tennessee is struggling against the pass. So is this a week where Lamar Jackson's able to air it out to Marquise Brown? I think this is a high-risk, high-reward. There's an opportunity here for big points. So if you're projected to lose by 20 points, and you're like, well, I can't start a guy like... Um, Harris or Ahmed because I know that they're only going to get me maybe 10 points and if I'm lucky 15 because they have a touchdown or whatever but you need 20 I would look at Marquise Brown I think Marquise Brown is a go big that go big or go home option this week for you in your flex most people probably feel more comfortable with him in their wide receiver three slot I don't I think he's only like the 40th best wide receiver going into the week overall in terms of expected outcomes and you know how safe you feel about playing him this week. But go big or go home option. Marquise Brown is there as your flex to like, you know, to make up those big gaps if you're gonna lose big. Um CD Lamb, lastly, Dalton's back. Um they had a bye last week. I think that. C.D. Lamb has an opportunity to do better than he has the last few weeks. We've seen him fall off the radar under Garrett Gilbert and Ben DiNucci, obviously, because those guys aren't as good. And Lamb, you know, is just not going to get many opportunities, not going to get a lot of points. But Dalton is better. Hopefully you see him do better this week. Minnesota is struggling against the pass. I think that he has an opportunity to be a solid flex option. Um, there's not really many tight ends. I mean, you could do a Dalton Schultz from Dallas. I mean, sorry. That's silly. You don't play Dalton Schultz in your flex. I mean, Schultz, I think you may play him in your tight end as a good matchup option, but not as um a guy that you play in your flex. Taysom Hill. I'm putting him here because in ESPN, I know he is registered as a tight end and quarterback. Obviously, even in your flex, if you have a guy like Kittle or Kel, I mean, if you have a guy like Kelsey, or you have a guy like Darren Waller, you play Taysom Hill in your flex because, excuse me, for this week at least, he's going to get quarterback level points. It's like 20 points. That's a big deal. 
that will probably win your your win you your week by putting Hill in your flex. So if you have him in ESPN leagues, play him because this might be only a one week deal for you, anyways. Um. Lastly, wrapping that up, uh, the Blue Jackets. So this is my thirty-one and thirty-one. Yesterday I talked about the Avalanche. I have them winning. I think I think they could win the whole thing. I think they could definitely go to the finals. They are the best team on paper going into the year, in my opinion. Um, Blue Jackets, not that much. I have them finishing 18th, 6th in the Metropolitan. Yesterday, looking at the uh, divisions, they might be different. Keep that in mind. These are based off of old, normal, standard divisions. Um, I will, you know, at the end of the 31 and 31, kind of, revamp what the divisions would look like and where teams would finish based on how I've looked at things before the 31 and 31. But for now, this is what it is. So additions, they traded for Max Domi. They added Mikhail Grigorenko from the KHL and they signed Miko Koivu, the longtime wild captain. So this cap efficiency number 11th overall, all I have is Koivu's contract here. Now, obviously, a 49th most efficient contract does not really represent 11th place. And I said yesterday, at the end of the 31 and 31, one day I'll post all the contracts from this offseason and I will show the rankings of how I determined what contracts are the best and what ones weren't. And what ones, like even re-signings, extensions, players they already had in their system, they were easy to re-sign. Like, I don't care what, I'm not going to show you, like, Oh, look, you know, Max Domi signed this contract when I'm looking, you know, when I'm representing their cap efficiency right now, because I mean, that's not a, I mean, that's an easy so- contract to sign. It's, it's easy to sign Yon, um, Corpusalo. It's easy to sign, um, I mean, yesterday, Burkowski, things like that, because those guys are already on your team. They're not going to walk. And most of them are RFAs. So I'm not representing that here, but it is in the cap efficiency rating that, you know, determined how they spent their money this offseason. But the only representative I have here is Miko Koivu because he's a UFA. And in my opinion, out of all the contracts, including RFAs, UFAs, um, UFAs that were signed before agency started since the end of play on March 13th, Koivu was the 49th strongest contract when it came to forwards, which is not that good. Um, so looking at their depth chart, it's a mixed bag. Many people think Domi will be um, the second center on this team. But looking at cap friendly, which is what I use for my positions to determine my depth chart, Liam Foudy is a center and he doesn't play other positions. Now, does he probably play wing and can play wing when he comes to the NHL? Certainly. I'm not saying he couldn't. But according to the depth charts right now, Domi is their strongest left winger eligible player. Foudy is their second strongest center. And because he only plays center, that's where I'm going to put him. Nyquist is on here. He doesn't play for four more months. Oh, well, why is Nyquist on here? Well, because he's their second best left winger, and he's going to be back before the season's over. So Nyquist is on here as the second strongest left wing. Um, Atkinson, old, you know, an older guy that's been there a while. Nick Foligno, older guy on the right side. I like these right wingers here. I do. York, Strand, Atkinson, Bemstrom, Felino. I think their left wingers are good. I think their wings are good. It's their centers, Poivu and Grigorenko, that I don't know what to really, you know, think about. Um, Poivu's older. 
he's reliable where Grigorenko hasn't been really reliable in his career. And that's why he's kicked over the KHL. And, you know, many teams have kind of cast him off. Riley Nash is a solid player and maybe he is their fourth best center. But right now I have Grigorenko playing over him. It's probably a coin flip between the two. I have five lines represented here. They have a lot of one-way contracts of players that played significant last time last year. Eric Robinson played a lot of time. Kevin Stunland played a lot of time. Um, Nathan Gerby played a lot of time, but I think he gets kicked down to the HL. And uh, Mateo probably is not going to play. And Thurkoff might play. He's pretty good. He's better than their other options that can play center in the minors. So forward-wise, I think that their top six is pretty good. I kind of don't really know how to feel about their bottom six centers. I don't know. Um, I think this is going to be a big glaring hole for them. And I kind of, you know, bring this over to their defense. I think their top four are solid. Wierenski and Jones may be one of the better pairs in the league. Gavrikov and Savard, good shutdown pair. And that's where it kind of ends because <clears throat> they don't have depth of defense. Their bottom pair, Dean Kukan, and I have Scott Harrington in here. He was good a couple years ago. Um, it's either him or Gabriel Carlson coming up. Um, they have better right defenseman than left defenseman, like Andrew Peke. I think he, or Peck, or Peke, however you might pronounce his name. I think he might be better than Kukin here, so that's like a coin flip to decide who might play that third um, right defense slot. He's still very young, Peggy, so he could, you know, also be scratched often because he is younger and, you know, makes a mistake that you want to keep him out of the game. Um, whereas Harrington is more used to that seventh defenseman role, you could see Gabriel Carlson coming up and playing that. You know, the younger defenseman could get that opportunity just like Peke. You know, they got to determine what they want to do. Um, they have two veteran AHL career guys down there in um, Bayreuther and Glenn Denning that um, could come up at any time and play a couple games. But this is the thing, though. Depth-wise, if they lose a guy like um, Wierenski, what are they going to do on the left side of their defense? Now all they have is Gavrikov, Harrington, Carlson. That's not good enough. That doesn't win you hockey games going forward. So this is kind of where their hole is. I think it's their depth on defense and their depth down the middle at the NHL level. Um, I think that's where they struggle because goalie wise, they're very good. Merz Lekins, I have playing over Corpus Allo this year. I thought he played better than him last year. A fantastic young Latvian goalie. They have another fantastic young Latvian goalie in the AHL. These guys have been trying to trade Corpus Allo all off season. Um, there's even been Sabres rumors, and they haven't been able to pull it off. I think the goalies are very good. Long-term, this is a top-five goalie pair, um, whether it's both Latvians or Corpusalo still in there. Um, Columbus has a lot to look forward to on the um, goalie front. I think they have a lot to look forward to at forward in terms of young talent that isn't even in the AHL yet and on the wings. I think their wings are very nice, like I said. Um, I like Bamstrom. I like uh, Tessier. Um, I like uh, Bjorkstrand. Stenland is pretty good. Thurkoff's good. Like, they have options at forward long-term. Dubois, obviously, and Foudy are a nice young one-two punch um, center-wise, but it is that third-line and fourth-line center spots that I see as a problem, as well as um, defensive depth. 
So, the Blue Jackets I have finishing 18th. Tomorrow I'll have Dallas, I believe, is tomorrow. So, in recap, I did um, an update on my rankings for fantasy football. Check them out on my WordPress. I did a Columbus Blue Jackets thing, as I just said, on my WordPress. I also covered Pick Your Poison. I hope that those options for your flex will help you tomorrow. In week 11, it's a big deal, obviously. you got to try and navigate the COVID lists, the bye weeks, and the injuries to try and, you know, win weeks during this tough time. You know, with COVID, it adds a whole nother wrench in the ball game of who you're going to play, who you're not going to play. But, you know, you never know. Tomorrow, someone could test positive, and now all of a sudden, you've lost a guy that was sitting next to him on the airplane going to the game. So, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and you'll be back tomorrow when I update my rankings again, and I believe go over the Dallas Stars. I may also tomorrow do a recap on the um, Bills bye week and what I think they need to do going forward to make their team better, so stay tuned for that, and if you have any criticism, comment on my Twitter or um, message me, Um, share it if you liked it, retweet it, like it, whatever. Comment, like it on WordPress, and uh, hope you uh, come back more. Uh, come back tomorrow for more.